Although our logo is cute as hell, please be aware we deal with some truly heinous content in this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. podcast where we discuss law and order svu under a much needed queer and feminist lens i'm talia and i'm b and we're talking about episode eight of season 13 educated guests mm-hmm. this is a bit of a rough one mm. <laughs> this one is rough mm. okay so we start off with a dude running through the trees calling out for amber presumably amber is waiting for him takes off her dress and tells him good thing i like slow pokes then runs away merrily <laughs> cut to rollins running through the park and meeting up with finn who's sitting on a bench with a ban- bunch of moms they're supposedly staking out a serial groper who has groped 10 women in six weeks and we never hear of this again yeah <laughs> it's not related to the rest of the episode, guys. Nope. They hear the dude from the beginning running out of the trees in just his underwear, calling out for Amber, and then takes off his jocks and calls himself the jackhammer in front of a bunch of families and kids. <laughs> Rollins tries to calm him down, and the dude drops to the ground, still seeing Amber laughing over him while Amanda and Finn realize that he's hallucinating. You also see a bunch of people taking photos and videos. Finn calls an ambulance, and you can hear in the same call when Finn calls an ambulance for the guy he also mentions that he will need to be taken to LaGuardia psychiatric on their way there Amanda questions why he would have to go to psychiatric and Finn explains that the dude needs to be cleared psychologically before they book him and Amanda disagrees saying that he was just high citing experience growing in a family that had both psychological and substance abuse issues and oh boy are we gonna find that out later (laughs) looking forward to that (laughs) you say that now (laughs) and finn very diplomatically says we all come from something Mm. finn knows one of the security officers at laguardia captain lee who tells them a video of them arresting the naked fish is going viral on youtube which is funny because he says it's going viral he doesn't say it's going viral he just (laughs) says that it's everyone's watching it. it's like almost two thousand hits and i'm like that's (laughs) nothing yeah two thousand hits is what i was getting regularly on tiktok when i used to bother putting stuff up for my shop like Mm. and that was nothing that was not viral Mm. (laughs) that was just like bums (laughs) like more i mean like it's not it's not to laugh at but it's certainly not viral kind of situation like no it's definitely not viral that's Mm. literally just on people's for you page and stuff like people Mm. just flipping through so amanda guesses that the guy was on pcp and the doctor is impressed that she would guess Mm. (laughs) they're just like really pushing the whole like amanda's a good detective it's like we get it (laughs) jesus captain lee assures Rollins and Finn that he will look after the dude while he dries out. Cut to the dude in a wheelchair, obviously coming down from PCP and asking a female security guard for a doctor. The security guard tells him he's going to get an echocardiogram and then to straight to jail. Mm. The security guard gets called away on a 1085, apparently. Security guard runs and threatens a dude, you move, I pound you. The dude immediately tries to escape in the wheelchair. He's handcuffed to but only finds locked doors until he hears noises of someone being hurt. I found out later that the dude's name is Darren. Oh, I just okay. refer him to the dude the whole time yeah. because they never say his name. <laughs> but furthermore, he, uh, you know, not long after this, he is not he, that much he's more. He's not odd. in it, yeah. <laughs> 
So he will be the dude. <laughs> so he wheels closer to the noise, opens the door, and we see a woman's a woman being choked and sexually assaulted in a rather harrowing scene that I wish I hadn't seen. Yeah. The dude just stares, and the rapist tells him to get lost and to shut the door. The dude wheels away, shouting that someone is getting raped. Credits. Mm-hmm. At the dude's arraignment the next day, he is lucid, and he tells the judge that someone was raped at the hospital and no one did anything about it. The judge asks Finn and Rollins to investigate, even with Amanda trying to fight, that what the dude saw might have been a hallucination because of his uh, drugs that was were mm-hmm. in his system. In one of the interrogation rooms of Doom with Finn and Rollins, the dude tries to explain what he saw, despite Finn and Rollins being butts every step of the way. Mm-hmm. The dude describes her as a young white girl with dark blonde hair wearing a hospital bracelet and cuts on her wrist. Munch pulls Finn and Rollins out of interrogation and Finn, when he leaves, says, keep your clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) So Finn and Rollins don't believe him, but Amaro mentions that by the time the dude saw what he saw, he would not have been high anymore to be hallucinating. Olivia mentions the dude has no reason to lie considering it's his first offence. But considering our sex offender registry stuff from a couple of episodes ago, I was just gonna say this. Yeah, he he got his junk out, and there was children. So that, according to the sex sex offender registry list, list could put him on. I think it's one of those fucking annoying American things of like it's at the judge's discretion thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like if you have a good enough lawyer, because yeah, according to that list, he would be instantly put on there because he like. He literally said, look, watch out for the jackhammer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So then Munch sends Benson and Rollins to LaGuardia to see if they can find the girl based on her description. Benson and Rollins talk to one of the doctors who identifies her as Gia Eskis. And it's really funny because she goes, oh, that's Gia Eskis. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> it just reminds me of Randy from South Park. Like, oh, my God. But then, like, it isn't followed with an equally crazy statement or anything. Yeah, it's just so out of place. (laughs) The doctor says that there was no report of rape, but that Gia had to be sedated the previous night. Benson big times the doctor that they have to speak to Gia alone, but I think that's just in response to the doctor not giving out the medical records without a Mm. warrant. So, like, Benson is just like, well, we need to speak to her alone then. It's like, (laughs) all right, calm down, Benson. Mm -hmm. Amara and Munch do a little forensics in the room the dude saw the rape happen in and find a hair. The security guard that left the dude the night before is super defensive and says that it was probably, oh, like, a quickie with a nurse ain't a crime. Maybe that's what went down. Mm. Munch bitches her out for leaving the dude unattended. Amara sweet talks her into giving them the security footage. Benson and Rollins talk to Gia and she's instantly defensive and deflective, but she finally tells them that she was trying to make a noose and they found her ripping her sheets. Um, She's very self-deprecating. This is fucking Natasha fucking Leone. Mm. playing Gia, which, like, I remember the first time I saw her, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Natasha Leon. I fucking love her. She's great. Mm. They ask her about the dude, but she says she doesn't, she didn't see anyone in a wheelchair. She doesn't know him. And they tell her that he saw her get raped, but she says that she didn't. Roland suggests getting a rape kit to make this go away. Benson seems annoyed by that, and I can't quite tell why. Mm. Gia pauses and agrees, and they realize that she wants to find, like, she wants them to find proof. Mm. Rollins is still skeptical. Benson says she got the cl- she has the classic signs of someone who has been assaulted, hypervigilance, fear, denial. Rollins' thick accent <laughs> comes in and she's like, it's going to be hard as hell to get anyone to believe her. <laughs> and then Benson replies, well, which makes her the perfect target. 
Mm. Cut to Benson and Rollins talking to the doctor again. Doctor mentions Gia's only visitor is her mom. They request files on everyone who was working the night of the rape and incident reports that aren't covered by medical privacy. Basically, Rollins knows what to ask for because she's obviously got experience with this mm. because um, when they leave Benson gives her the nod of like good work Rollins <laughs> oh, I missed that so I'm glad you picked up on that <laughs> Rollins jumps in like because they finish talking and then Rollins jumps in saying can we get the incident reports because the incident reports aren't covered by medical mm. practice and then when they leave Benson gives her a look of like oh good work hmm. yeah cut to the station Benson and Rollins brief munch on Gia's extensive incident reports Amara tells them Gia's rape kit came back positive for sperm of an unknown male and laceration scars and perianal tags, implying that Gia has been sodomized for years. Mm. Amanda is still saying it could have been consensual <laughs> and then provided the idea that they might not need consent from Gia to see her medical records if Gia's mom is legal, is her legal guardian. And mm. everyone just kind of looks at her like, oh, shit, you have a past. Because mm. uh, it, like, it it's quiet and they're all looking at her and she's like, ugh. <laughs> It's when they go to see Gia's mom, Diane, she goes, it's usually the other way around. The fact that Gia is saying she wasn't raped, but mm. other people are saying that she was. She's saying, oh, it's usually the other way around. Mm. Gia's mother laments that the first fake accusation Gia made of someone raping her was when she was 14, just after her dad was diagnosed with schizophrenia. She accused the doctor that was treating her dad, a neighbor, a male teacher, and everyone just thought that it was her way of coping with her dad being diagnosed and eventually going to live in a psychiatric ward. Mm. An alarm goes off and Diane tells them that she looks after her sister who is on a restricted diet. Gia's mom never called the police the first time because Gia said she had made it up eventually, which is kind of fucked up as well. Like, you would call the police immediately if that was... Yeah. Like, you wouldn't just wait till... Like, because it... They don't say that she immediately recanted. She said mm. that she recanted eventually, which means that at least days passed, which yeah, anything like that, I would call the police immediately and get a mob. 100%. Gia's mom assumed everything wrong with Gia was because of her mental illness. There's a really sad line where she says that Gia once asked her to find her body. Mm. And that's very upsetting. Mm. She agrees to get Gia's medical records for the detectives. Rollins is still harping on about Gia's credibility. Mm. <laughs> Benson tells her that just because a case isn't winnable doesn't mean we stop investigating. Now, remember that line. Remember mm -hmm. that line because, oof, Benson, man, like, Benson right now is just a detective, but she does go up the ladder and woof. She could be talking to Benson from this time because, ooh, we are going to see some development. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Gia's Aunt Bella and Uncle George run into Benson and Rollins mid-argument, and the aunt mentioned she tried to see Gia the night of her rape because she was at LaGuardia for minor surgery, but they didn't let her see her. They both agree that Gia is sweet but troubled. Hmm. Back at the station, Amaro tells Munch that a few days before the rape, Gia had an incident with another patient, Jay Delaney, who is Michael Chernus. Michael Chernus is, you know, a patient, a, psychi a psychiatric patient in this episode, but he is three seasons later. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's in SVU again, and he's like the brother-in-law of Carisi, the other cop that I've told you that comes in later oh. on. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in a pretty big role. <laughs> so um that's funny okay. but anyway Rollins and Amaro interrogate Jay in a really shitty way and oh, yeah 
cause Jade to melt down and get violent so that they arrest him and take him to the interrogation room of doom. Finn finds out Jay thought he was protecting Gia from a guard that has sex with patients patients and um he says that it's captain lee so finn's friend from the beginning cut to roland's searching captain lee's locker at LaGuardia. they find a cum stain on his bare pants and he's put mm. into the interrogation room of doom the dumbass admits to getting a blowjob from gia which she offered him in exchange for a gun despite his union rep telling him to shut his face mm. he's aware that any patient is incapable of consent and in the same breath says letting his letting Gia blow him was him doing his job. Mm. I think it's Munch that says, better hope Bill Clinton's on your jury. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, it's so contradicting this guy. Yeah. 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 It's that same, um, and it it comes up a little bit on SVU in general, but it's, I think it's a pretty widespread notion that people have that oral sex isn't sex. Mm. And it's like, my dude. (laughs) That makes no sense. You can still get STDs. You can. I think. I think people think that if you can't get pregnant for from it, you, it's not sex. Mm. And it's like, no, nah, man. That's still no. <laughs> You're yeah, a dumbass. Like, it doesn't have to be. I mean, like then, then all gay sex is. I know. Not sex. You know, like well. It, but that makes sense when people are very narrow-minded. You know. Mm, mm. So like that would make sense that 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 leap of faith isn't that hard to think of if they already think that anything that isn't you know straight heteronormative sex Mm. is anything outside of that isn't sex then it would make sense that then they would be like well blowjobs aren't sex it's like that that is a very good point you're making because yeah i can see that sort of like pipeline from like catholic upbringing of like it's only penis and vagina sex like Mm. yeah yeah, so it would make sense that anything outside of that is like, no, well, mm. like, you know, someone getting fingered, well, that's not sex. It's like, well, mm. <laughs> well, come and on. And, and, yeah, then it's, you know, the conflation of, like, sex with consent. It's like, well, you know, you actually need to ask for consent to finger someone as well. Like, mm. you know, yeah. yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, this guy's a dumbass. <laughs> In conclusion, this guy's a dumbass. Amaro puts the case forward that maybe Captain Lee is telling the truth and Gia went to him for a gun after she was raped. Benson comes at him pretty hard, though. She's just like, are you saying she wasn't raped? He's like, I'm not saying that at all. Like, mm. She's like, I'm just saying that he might be telling the truth that Gia went to him after the rape to get the Mm. gun. Benson and Rollins talk to Gia again. Gia doesn't think anyone will believe her because no one has ever believed her, mainly her mum. Benson does her I believe you shtick and also tells Gia that she's been assaulted even though she carries a gun. Benson tells Gia that she herself, Benson, has been assaulted before. Mm. Ah, man, this bit got me. So Gia explains in a very self-deprecating way that all it took was for someone to pay attention to her Mm. interested in what she had to say. And the really like absolutely sad thing about this is that it's such a common thing. Absolutely. Like, you know, from personal experience and from like a bunch of my friends, you, you just hear a lot of women have that story of like this person took advantage because they were made to feel like, Oh, you're, you're, you're better than the other ones, you know, mm. like you're um, I'm paying attention to you because you're an old soul. Mm. Like, you know, all these fucking lines that at the time when you're a teenager, you're like, Oh yes, I am an adult. Mm. <laughs> you're, not, you're not a fucking adult. And it's just really sad because everyone, nearly everyone has a story like this mm. bit too relatable there. 
Yeah, no, it, it absolutely was because, like, even beyond the, like, if we're assuming a older predator, like, talking about how, you know, you're an old soul, you're mature for your age, etc., even just that, for, say, like, a, a neglected kid, you don't mm-hmm. even need to necessarily be neglected, but for, for anyone who feels slightly left afield, that little scrap of kindness from someone yeah. doesn't even need to be an older person, but to be, yeah, it's... It's almost all all that person needs to then be taken advantage of in one way or another. Exactly. And the thing is that, like, a lot of people, like, predator or not, a lot of people, I mean, predators will, would smell that out immediately Absolutely, if, yeah. if someone is in need of that attention and, and taking advantage of that. But what what you were describing of feeling like an outsider in, of your own life or whatever, mm. that's that's just default for teenagers. Yeah. So it's very easy for so many people to fall into predators' hands or, or into bad situations that they're not mature enough to to understand or mm. to consent. Mm. So, so it is very upsetting that teen like people people don't talk to their kids, man. Mm. Like people just do not talk to their kids and don't um, have enough of trusting relationship with their kids. To, for their kids to feel safe to come to them with that kind of stuff. Mm. And that's fucking upsetting as hell. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that just those two lines got me good. I'm just like, oh, man. Like, yeah. whoever wrote that knew exactly what it felt like, too. Same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Gia finally admits it was her Uncle George and that he got into the hospital even though she thought she was safe, which also makes you think that oh, how many times did Gia trigger herself just so that she could feel safe in the in the psychiatric mm. ward how many times were her suicide attempts cries for help to get out of a situation that she did not want to be in mm. and then um, this this coping mechanism which was essentially just a way to get a you know get away from her abuser yeah gets then read as symptoms of a mental illness and you know yeah. she may have a mental illness but doesn't mean that all of this is symptom wise it yeah it gets and, and you see that a lot you the moment you sort of label someone as mentally unwell every everything gets attributed to that mental illness you, yeah. you know it, it yeah it's, and that's what Rollins is doing. That's what that Rollins is doing nearly the whole episode of, yeah, but she's not credible, she's a mental patient, blah, 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 like all of this stuff, mm. and just completely dismissing the fact that they're, like, even that there could be a crime here. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so uh, Gia also mentions that she would take, that he would take photos of her and that she couldn't tell her mom because George has been supporting Gia and her mom since their dad was admitted. The detectives tell Gia that George is going to prison, but Gia doubts that as in the real world he is sane and she is not Mm. Rollins asks Benson about being assaulted and then proceeds to tell her that something happened to her at her last job and it's why she had to transfer from Atlanta but doesn't want to pursue it and Benson tells her that's how they win and Mm. then completely dismisses it and it's like but that's not what's (laughs) going to happen to Gia and like just doesn't ask her like one of her new detectives just told her that she was assaulted in Atlanta and Benson is like, yeah, but let's focus on this. Like, mm. <laughs> And it's like, well, I mean, also Amanda is another one that doesn't really talk about her personal life. And she freely, like both times, Amaro and like Amaro last week and Rollins this week have kind of opened up to Benson. And she's like, yeah. Mm. And, I mean, and, and Craig in, you know, in the last yeah. episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> what stuff. What a great line. Yeah. Everyone's like opening up to her and she's just like, yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, and and Benson in previous seasons would not have been that cold, but she's just so hung up on the stabler. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, uh, we also find out what that is, by the way, later on about Rollins. Mm. That does actually come back. Okay, back at the station, Rollins shows the team the security footage of the hospital with Bella, the aunt, trying to drop off flowers to Gia, but without George. And then they realise there's a person on the security footage that covers their face while they go through security and assume that it's George that stole a badge. That's a huge leap, but it like, was. we'll yeah. go with it. Mm. Munch tells them to check if someone lost a badge at the hospital and then to go pick up George. Cragen isn't in this one at all. Munch is lead captain person. I mean, he's a sergeant, I think, at this point. Mm. So he's given out the orders. Mm. Outside Gia's mum's house, Gia's mum is being treated like a servant by Bella. Rollins and Benson arrive to arrest George, and he tells Bella to call a lawyer. Bella gets hysterical, blaming it on Gia's uh, mum, Diane, and says, she's doing it again, Diane. (laughs) And Diane says to them, my daughter's crazy. And she looks so sad while she says it too. Mm. Bella says to Rollins, please don't do this. And Rollins turns around really angrily and says, that's probably what Gia said the first time he read her. And it's yeah. like, fuck. And she leaves the two women stunned. <laughs> George in the Room of Doom is being a sick fuck, trying to convince Munch and Amaro that he loves Gia and Gia loves him and that their relationship is consensual and that he never touched her until she was of age. In the state of New York, any incest including between uncles and nieces and nephews, is punishable by law and a felony. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, so even if even him saying that it was consensual is still a felony. Mm. They never mention that here, though. Mm. <laughs> Amaro tries to sympathise with him, and it's fucking gross. Finn, Benson, and Rollins watch through a one-sided mirror. Amaro gets George to admit that he that it was him in the room with Gia that night at the hospital. They ask him why Gia is saying it's rape, and he tells them Gia is dramatic and that she's threatened to kill or hurt herself for George to leave his wife. But he doesn't want to because he's a good guy and has uh, and Bella has cancer and he doesn't want to give her more stress, which we find out is bullshit later. <laughs> and then George shows them an old crumpled letter from Gia where she wrote that she loved him. Bella and Diane show up at the station in George's defense. Amaro tells Diane that George admitted to a consensual sexual relationship with Gia and both women are taken aback. Bella is outraged and tries to convince Diane it isn't true. Amaro tells Diane about George knowing about Gia's pink bra and Bella drags Diane out of the station but you can tell that Gia's mom is now doubting everything. Mm. Amaro is pissed that he had to sympathize with George and Benson jumps at the chance to talk about Stabler (laughs) but like in a bad light because of his short temper which mm. is like a far cry from her uber defense of him a few episodes ago. Mm. But I don't know, maybe it means she's healing finally. Mm. They asked Gia about the letter and she's disgusted and tells them she wrote the letter when she was 12. She asked them if her mother knows about George being arrested. They tell her she does. And then she asks them, did she say I was crazy? They don't reply and she's very upset and walks out. Mm. Benson reasons that if George hung onto the letter that he for sure is the kind of scumbag who would hold onto the photos Gia mentioned he took of her. They go to Bella and George's house and search everywhere but find that he probably cleaned up after he saw the detectives for the first time. Mm. Bella is all indignant saying he she wouldn't 
know anything about what's been going on because she's been recuperating from surgery and Rollins gives her her condolences for her cancer. Diane and Bella are confused because Bella doesn't have cancer that she had just gotten her gallbladder removed, which points to George being a big fat old hairy liar. <laughs> Turns out George pushed for the surgery to be done at LaGuardia. Shock horror. Mm. They can't find anything in the house until they get to George and Bella's bedroom where they find a locked toolbox. Bella and Diane squabble about whether it has always been there, but Diane insists it wasn't there because she would know as she always cleans Bella's house. So you get an idea how fucking servanty they've got this woman. Mm -hmm. They try to open the combination lock, trying George's birthday, Bella's birthday, and finally what unlocks it is Gia's birthday to everyone's utter disgust. Yeah. In the toolbox is a shit ton of photos of Gia in various states of undress at various ages. Diane turns on Bella saying that she must have known Bella runs away. We never see her again. Mm. Diane realizes she's completely let her daughter down and Benson rubs it in by showing a specific photo dated on Gia's 14th birthday. The woman's having this massive realization and and Benson's just like on her 14th birthday, like (laughs) right in her face. And you're like, whoa, Mm. all right. Like, I think she gets it. Shit. Mm. Cut to LaGuardia fenced in outside area where they're telling Gia George is facing 10 years worth of sexual assault charges with each count facing a possible 25 year sentence. Gia's mom hasn't gone to see her yet and Gia isn't prepared to forgive her yet. Benson tells her, you survived the abuse, you're going to survive the recovery. Dick Wolf. Mm -hmm. A very, very sad Dick Wolf. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that was an extremely sad episode. Do you have any notes on it? I'll be honest that this was one of those episodes where I don't know if... I don't know if I can talk about it 100%. Like, there's, there's so much I would want to say and very little energy in my body to do so but i do have i do have a few notes like more more specifically like like it's interesting that this is the scene that i'm choosing to talk about but like you mentioned that the interview with jay so that was the other psychiatric patient who uh, was says he was protecting gia so because that this was rollins and amaro having that conversation with the with jay the other patient yeah that they push um, him to to a violent episode yeah because because mm. amaro was inciting the shit out of jay like it mm. is in it is incredibly common for trauma survivors to be scared of people moving out of their eyesight, like especially coming up behind them, which is what Amaro was doing. Like, And it looked weird to us as the viewer, I think, like watching Amaro just move slowly behind Jay. Like what was, other than intentionally instigating this, it was very, like I, I can't un- imagine what he was doing. Like there, there was but, no other reason for it than, than to... Evoke this reaction, I yeah. think. Yeah. And yeah. and look, maybe that was intentional, maybe it wasn't. But, you know, I want to impress that while we saw aggression from Jay, that was 100% a fear response. Like, Yeah, for sure. And he, yeah. he voiced it too. Like, mm. it wasn't like it went from zero to 100. He literally said to Amaro, mm. I don't like when people are, when I can't see people. Mm. And mm. Amaro still went behind and he started to freak out. And then Roland says to him, he's not touching you. And it's like, he he didn't say anything about being touched. He said he doesn't yeah. like people behind it. Like he was exactly. being clear with his, with his, what he needed and they mm. were just not listening to him on purpose. And it was mm. very frustrating to watch. Mm. No, 100%. Like, like, and, and, and I don't want people to assume that we're trying to excuse aggression, like in, in mentally ill people or mentally well people. Like, it's not okay to react with oh, violence. But 
this is such a common response to like to fear like especially in trauma survivors like to you know essentially defend themselves in an aggressive way and especially with being instigated like if mm. if if it had just come from jay without being provoked Mm. then then obviously that's not okay Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it was okay either way but he jay wasn't at fault yeah here they rollins and amaro they're doing this because the incident report has said that jay and gia were involved in an incident uh, and immediately you know okay it is fair to assume that jay has instigated and the orderly has intervened but i want everyone to like think about how easy it would be for this incident report to get written in this way like first and foremost it's not as if jay or gia or any patient is writing this it's going to be staff um, mm. Even if, even if the patient was asked, and even if the patient was truthful and coherent, it's staff. If it's the staff member involved, like no shit, they'll protect themselves. If it's another staff member, there's a multitude of reasons why they might not write, you know, quote unquote, the truth, ranging from they aren't aware, they don't care. They're involved in protecting themselves. They're not sure and they suspect, but they might not want to, you know, they might not want it to come back and hurt them if they speak up because what if they're mm. all wrong, you know, all the way to like, oh, I'm in it, I'm, I'm inundated with other work. I don't have time to even think about this. This is just another form I have to fill out. And like even this shit is so rampant in this job, telling the truth has done nothing in the past. Why do it now? Like that kind of um, uh, desensitized you yeah. know, aspect to it. And like, I mean, this has been a little tangenty, but I think it's important to say, like, if for no other reason than in the context of this episode, like an episode about how easy a target a mentally unwell patient is, that in the same vein, that history is written by the victors and incident Mm. reports aren't written by the victims. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I think that's. That is something that is necessary, especially because it was such a throwaway. They thought that they had done a good job by pushing Jay to the mm. end. Okay, well, we got what we needed. Who gives a shit if we triggered this man into a violent outburst? Mm. And, like, even Finn, like, when they've got him in the interrogation room of Doom, Finn says something like, oh, we'll let you out when you stop assaulting officers. It's like, yeah, that's not that's not what happened. <laughs> like, that's not entirely what happened, at least. Mm. Yeah, that, that scene pissed me off as well. There's there's yeah. a lot of little bits and pieces that are very, doesn't matter that cops are beating up people and shooting in crowded <laughs> restaurants. We were talking in the last episode about just a sort of throwaway line about, you know, how easy it is to trick and bribe and whatnot witnesses. Mm. Um, and we talked about how, you know, it was so jovial and ha-ha, like isn't it funny that they have to do this? And that is essentially what they're doing here. Like, you know, they're mm. getting what they want. It doesn't matter that they've instigated, you know, a mental health patient into a breakdown, you know, because I, I don't know if we've said, but like this, they were initially, I think, in LaGuardia, with this, you know, when he throws the when when Jay has the breakdown, and then that's how they move him into the room of doom. Yeah, yeah. So you know they've gotten what they want to from this guy, and yeah, because yeah, he was from from Jay's words, he was trying to protect Gia, and yeah, okay, that's going to get written up in the incident report as you know Jay was instigating and hurt this other orderly, whatever. He, he was like a security guard, but he yeah. was. Like- captain or i don't know if his name was captain mm. <laughs> i don't know what was going on there but i mean like mm. that, that guy was a dumbass as well oh yeah he's yeah, the one absolutely. that didn't think blowjobs were sex <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, 
yeah, I don't know. There's look, there is a lot I could say about this episode, and I. I mean, maybe, maybe one day we can come back to this episode because there is there is so much to take down. But you know, I'm sure a lot of other people out there are when when you yourself are a trauma survivor, seeing this kind of stuff, you want to talk about it. But at the same time, it is very difficult to talk about. And I don't, I don't know if I personally have the spoons for it today. Yeah, and that's fine. That's mm. completely fine. I think we got to like the key points of the Mm -hmm. episode and the really sad thing about this show is that this isn't going to be the first or the last time Mm. that that this kind of stuff is talked about to be honest with you it wasn't treated too awful like as Mm. in gia the way that gia was reacting the way that you know again (laughs) back to the original premise of our show is to show how much of this this show is a fantasy. Mm. And the fact remains that even with Benson being at her not her best, mm. they still managed to catch the bad guy. Mm. But in reality, how many people are in psych wards for this specific reason? Like, like literally for this kind of thing of being mentally unhealthy for whatever reason and being taken advantage of and finding that you're much safer in a psychiatric ward than at home mm. or like, you know, anywhere else, like fun, finding that you're better off in a homeless shelter than at home because, mm. because that shit is going on. There's two more points that I wanted to go over quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a weird one. Mm, go on. <laughs> I have in the past looked up incest statistics in the U S before mm. for a very specific reason. So this is going to come out of left field and I'm so <laughs> sorry. I So I've been a huge fan of the show Supernatural for mm-hmm. like as long as it's been on TV. Mm-hmm. And I've been involved in the fandom for that long as well. Like I've been in and out because the fans kind of piss me off. Mm-hmm. But there's this element to it. Do you know the characters from Supernatural? Uh, I, I can imagine where I think you're going with this, being that the main characters are brothers. Uh, brothers, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then in like the fourth season, no, in the, I can't remember what season, there's another character that comes in. He's an angel. He wasn't supposed to be a main character, but everybody fucking loved him. So they kept bringing him back. Mm -hmm. And one of the main like ships is one of the brothers and this angel character. Mm -hmm. But one of the original ships is a lot of people from the United States who ship the brothers mm-hmm. romantically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did not know that until I started going on Tumblr and stuff and I mm-hmm. there was a bunch of posts about it. And I was like, ew, <laughs> like yeah. nasty. Um, because I shipped the the other one, like I shipped the the angel with with one of the brothers, but then there was like a huge war between the two. People got really upset about it. it it's just fandom stuff. People were mm. angry and were fighting about who this this brother should be with. Blah blah. blah. And it's like this is a TV show mm. about supernatural shit. Like calm down Mm -hmm. but something that upset me in particular was the fact that a lot of these people that shipped the brothers Mm -hmm. were anti-gay really were homophobic for this angel and this brother what the fuck how right because initially i was like how does that even work if you ship the brothers but you're homophobic how does that work 
And this is where the horrible thing came in. Oh. There was a shit ton of statistics. And and I don't have them in front of me because personally I didn't want to look them up. <laughs> if, you're, if you're really curious about it, you can look it up because I remember it took me like no time to find these statistics. Mm. But it was basically saying that a lot of the people in certain parts of the US, uh, a lot of a lot of homeschooling states mm. didn't see same-sex incest as gay. That is an interesting thought process that I can only imagine has come out of compartmentalization. A compartmentalization, environmental factors, mm-hmm. brainwashing, yes, religion, <laughs> yeah. weird family dynamics. Like there is so much that would have to go into someone genuinely believing that it's okay to have sex with your family member and it's not gay, but it's completely gay if two non-related people have sex of the same sex. And like, then that whoa. is wrong, but the other one is fine. That's yeah. Uh, this is not is something. That? I've never heard of this before. Like, and, and admittedly, like, I'm not, you know, somebody who delves much into fandoms where there is like it's, a large incest. Uh, it's fandom. not a huge. The thing is, right? Mm. The actual part of the fandom that ships them is mm. not that big. Mm. But they are loud. Yeah. And technically, because the this angel character didn't come in until I think it's the fourth season. Mm. There was three whole seasons where they're like, well, it's the original, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it doesn't matter. That makes no sense. Mm. Like, you guys are fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, I just... And the thing is, if you ask a casual Supernatural fan, they won't have a fucking clue. It's because I went balls deep onto this. Mm. And that's an unfortunate term in this situation. (laughs) But, like, it's because I went down the rabbit hole in this fandom fandom, and I've been a part of it for, like, 17 years now Mm. that I was like what is what is this like why are they so into it and i like looked through a few of their things and these people are genuinely and don't get me wrong there's like fucking batshit crazy people on the other side too like there always is like fandom is fucking gross but but there was a lot of people so these these two dudes so jensen ackles and jared patalecki in real life are Mm -hmm. married and have kids Mm -hmm. but these accounts would say stuff like oh they're they're actually married to each other and the the wives are just for show and the kids were just for show but they're actually married and it's like it's getting to like even in in count there encompassing the 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 real people yeah yeah yeah. so so it goes beyond the brothers because Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not going to explain the whole fucking drama but like since the show ended so the show ended in like i think to 2020 i think Mm -hmm. it ended and since then there's been a lot of uh dynamic shifts within the real people that Mm -hmm. is very noticeable on the outside Uh, and obviously something went down but they're obviously not going to talk about it because they're still selling tickets to conventions and shit Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of a lot of delusion Mm. everywhere like not just with the the specific like incest people that by the way they have a full name because they're called the winchester brothers they call mm. them wincesties oh uh, yeah yeah I, i've definitely um, heard of that in yeah. my time trolling tumblr yeah 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 it's it's messed up and like <laughs> you know again like no offense to anyone who 
ships this harmlessly, but mm-hmm. also be aware that there's a lot of harm that goes to this shit. So I'm just uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that because there's like a very weird like, even this this fucking guy in this episode was just like, no, it's fine because it's consensual, mm-hmm. and it's like it was never fine. Mm-hmm. One because it's a felony in New York. Two because it started when she was 12. Mm-hmm. So the other quick thing, and this is really sad, but I just man sometimes statistics need to be known so that you know what to look for mm. are you okay with me reading out some incest statistics I don't oh wanna... yeah no look you, I, yep. uh, yeah okay. go, go for it okay so this is from thehivelaw.com i'll add the link to the episode notes 3.9 million americans have experienced some form of incest in their lifetime God. Of those 3.9 million, about 1.5 million are under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. One in nine girls under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse by a family member. Mm-hmm. That's one in nine. One in nine. Uh, one in 53 boys under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse by a family member. Mm-hmm. In- incest is most likely to occur between a father and a daughter. Mm-hmm. Incest between brother and sister is second most likely. Incest between mother and son is second most likely too. I don't know how that works. Okay. 90% of incestuous relationships involve a male abuser. 90%. Mm. 80% of victims of incest are female. 25% of female victims of incest become pregnant. 70% of male victims of incest are under the age of 12. Jesus Christ. 70% of incest cases involve a step-parent, step-brother, or step-sister. One-third of all sexual assaults reported to the police involve incest. 10% of perpetrators of incest are female. One-third of victims of incest are abused by more than one family member. 10% of victims of incest are abused by a family member who is not a relative, so like someone by marriage, like not Mm -hmm. by blood. Mm -hmm. So there's your fucked up statistics for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and it does it, it does put things in perspective. Like this is because uh, as somebody who is in the circles of, you know, SA survivors, like this is the kind of stuff that does not get talked about. And I mean, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but it doesn't get talked about because it's so hard to hear. And, you know, admittedly, like, I don't know, maybe we should have some kind of, like, uh, trigger warning before we delve into this, but it is, it needs to be talked about because it is so fucking rampant. It is. I mean, those are American statistics, but we we have our own fucking mm. statistics here in Australia. It, it's what we were talking about before of, like, parents need to talk to their children about shit Mm. something that that came up a couple of years ago i think on tiktok was people talking about you know like in the 80s and 90s there was this huge push of like stranger danger stranger Mm. danger but most sexual abuse happens by people you know and family Mm. And mm-hmm. so someone on TikTok was saying, what we teach our, our kids is, do you feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Like, has this person made you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Because that's that's what children start to understand. Like, did you feel bad or do you feel bad being around this person? Mm-hmm. You need to start talking in language that children will understand and that they – because, like, children don't understand concepts of guilt Mm. and and shame and like religious bullshit and stuff they don't understand that they just need to like they just need to be communicate that this person made them feel bad 
And yeah, and like part of uh, that that whole push on TikTok was um, a lot of parents being like, talk to your kids, ask them leading questions, but nothing that will make them, you know, question what you're trying to ask them at the same time and a lot of that was what did you do in your time with your uncle what did you do in your time with with your cousins like Mm -hmm. you know get involved don't just a lot of parents just palm their kids off and are just happy when they don't have to look after their own kids and don't really give a shit what they're doing or what what has been done to them Mm -hmm. but like ask questions open dialogue all of that Mm. kind of stuff and I thought that was really good because it was a lot of people that are like yeah if my parents would have talked to me more about stuff I wouldn't have been scared to go to them when shit happened to me kind of Mm. thing Mm. and it is something that we're learning like it, it's not all on the generation of parents that didn't know to ask these questions yeah of, um, course, of course. but it's also like I like I want to point out as well that this is why I'm such a huge proponent of like because we're talking about consent right mm. also the consent of going you know not making our kids hug or kiss every oh, relative sure mm. for sure because mm. knowing that that you know like if, if a kid feels like they don't have you know, and, and, and this is coming from someone who is child-free and, you know, but then you yourself have, you know, a child. Knowing ugh, a kid a kid should not be made to feel like they don't have a choice in who they interact with or hug. Like they with. don't have body autonomy. Like they mm. need to understand their own body autonomy from mm. the get-go. Like that nobody can touch them if they don't want mm-hmm. to. And they don't have to touch anyone if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Like when when... I first heard that like, you know, like 10 years ago, um, it just like dinged such a part of my brain because mm-hmm. as a kid, you're so like, as in, especially like us being ethnic, mm. I think there's a huge thing of like, hug this person, hug that person. Oh, just give him a kiss on the cheek. Like, yeah. All of that. And like, I hated that. I don't like to be touched now and I have a feeling it's because of that. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. because you're so forced. Like, I don't mean, you know, by friends and family and stuff. I mean, like, you know, in general, I don't like, like when I, oh man, when I was pregnant, I had random people grabbing my belly oh. and and I would flinch every time. Mm. And most people got it. Like, just don't touch a fucking pregnant belly, please. Mm. But this one woman who was maybe in her 50s, I was at a deli buying a sandwich and she comes up to me, grabs my belly. She's like, how far along are you? And I flinched back. Like I fully recoiled. Mm. And she goes, oh, you young people are so sensitive. And I was like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) Like I would really appreciate if you don't touch my incubator. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. What the hell? I'm so sorry that happened to you because, I mean, you you hear – you do hear about stories like this, like that that weird, um, especially older people feeling like they they're entitled to touch a pregnant person. Yeah. Why? Where does that come from? And then I don't know. Oh. I, don't know. Mm. I know that when when it's been like my friends and stuff that have been pregnant, mm. I I've asked them. I'm like, may I touch mm. your Because like I want to, like you know, it, it it's. I don't even know where what that is. Like that's mm. literally just. I don't even know what the impulse is to touch a belly. Like honestly, I. If you would have asked me before, I would have been like, no, I don't want to touch anyone's belly. Mm. But like seeing a friend that I love and care for, and seeing them happy and glowing and like. Mm. And and you just you know I don't know like I and, and I but I've asked consent every time mm. like I've never just been like give me that <laughs> give me and that's with friends you know like mm. um but I've literally been like you know can I touch your belly and they've said yes and I'm like oh and you're just mm. like oh moment mm. but like that's 
people that I know and that I love, not a fucking random in a deli. Yeah. The mm. fuck? That was insane. Mm. Like when I I have never experienced some things until I was pregnant and people went absolutely batshit. Mm. Like I I worked in a very male dominated office. So mm. there was like 30 or 40 people in the office and I was one of two women. <laughs> mm. And when I was pregnant, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was hormones or what, but everyone was like treating me like I was a Fabergé egg. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people would like, do you want? Do you want me to get you lunch? Uh, do you want a drink? I can go buy you. And I'm like, I'm fine, mm-hmm. y'all. Like, <laughs> if and people that never had talked to me before, like that we had talked like in passing, like that mm-hmm. you know whatever, were like basically treating me like a weird specimen queen or something. I was, it was weird, mm-hmm. and um, um, yeah, like it was, it was just. It, it blew my mind. Mm. <laughs> Just like, this is insane. Because before that, I would, you know, like, I don't, <laughs> speaking again of like, I'm not like other girls. I would just be treated like the guys. Like, we'd joke around, like, dirty jokes or whatever. When I was pregnant, everyone treated me like like I was a fragile little lady. And I'm like, mm. what the fuck is this? Interesting. It was weird. Mm. And- <laughs> way off topic and i think it's time to go this was a very sad episode um Mm. so now more than ever i think we need to eat some cheese and draw some bazongas we absolutely do yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah, thank you thank you for uh this episode eat cheese draw bazongas that's us for for today that's us (laughs) this week (laughs) okay bye bye